where our cameras are mirrorless, our iPhones are pro, and our politicians aren't so. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and today I'm joined by Shabir. Shabir is an experienced product manager who transitioned into product management from engineering and has a very unique perspective. He has a breadth of experience ranging from building products from scratch and managing and delivering existing products, especially in the enterprise space. Welcome, Shabir. How are you doing? Hi, Rahul. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, how, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you. Um, you and I share a very common thing. We have we have uh, little babies at home. It can be quite challenging, um, you know. Well, it it's a good and bad thing, right? It, it's it's quite challenging to like keep them entertained, but then it, the good part is obviously being able to spend time with them. It 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 is. It's 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 a whole new um, experience on its own, uh, yeah. and, and especially during during lockdown. Um, so it does have its pros and cons. Uh, you get more time to spend with the little one, you know, see them grow day by day. Um, but at the same time, you know, trying to manage daycare and, you know, making sure that their needs are met while you're on a Zoom call. Um, right. So so it, it does bring uh, an interesting interesting perspective uh, to, you know, how, how we balance out work life. Yeah, 2020 has taught us a lot of things, including that. How do you multitask? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's been. I think I think I think I think that I think that's, that's something we'll always uh, try to battle out, or at least uh, from my side, you know, multitasking. Yeah. Uh, we we think we are good at it, but you know, there's always a, a cost at one end that you don't always see. So, so that's something we, can, yeah. we should always be working on. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, I mean it. It's it it is quite difficult to realize in that moment what the right thing to do is, right? Like, how do you then juggle between multiple priorities together and? Only in hindsight, maybe you can you could think about how oh, okay maybe I could have spent more time on this or that. And, um, but yeah, I mean we, we're always learning as human beings. Exactly. Is... At the end of the day, you just make your best uh, judgment call based on the situation, right? And then you just uh, you know you just be agile and move forward. And I mean, it, it's it's weird. Sometimes I try to use all this concept even day to day. Sometimes I get told <laughs> off, but it yeah. works sometimes, you know. And the other times you just learn from it. What I've learned is it's okay to use the concepts, but it's it's bad to name them. True, true. <laughs> it, it's it's bad to call them out loud. Be like, oh, I have, I'm using agile here. It's just better to use it and not name it. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, uh, Shabi, you you are quite quite unique in terms of your experience. Like I said in in your intro, you were you were a hands-on engineer before and. Correct me if I'm wrong. You you focused a lot on front end, maybe a little bit mm-hmm. on back end as well while you were developing. So yes. maybe the full stack, and then you transition into be a product manager. How did that transition happen in your mind before you even transitioned that? Uh, you know, in in your career, how did that? Uh, you know, how did you find that interesting? Uh, it's 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 a it's a really good question, uh, and this is something that I've been asked about a couple of years ago by by a close friend. Uh, how did I make that jump? And like I did a lot of you know, soul searching, trying to understand how I got there. And you know, the more I thought of it, you know, it, it just I feel like it just came in naturally, and it's something that I have always wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, but I just didn't know that product management was the thing. Um, right. So so when I when I finished my masters, I was actually looking for a business analyst uh, role you know, as, as as a job. But, you know, while you're being in the UK, while you're on a visa, you know, all those complications, you just want to get a job, right? Just make sure right. you stay in the of country. Yeah. And like, I did a bit of front end when I was back in Sri Lanka. 
And that was more like, yeah, it was, it was part of the package that came with me. So I was like, I don't mind doing it. I enjoy it. Let's, let's see where it takes me. And yeah. that's where I was trying to apply for front-end and BA jobs. And, and the job I got was as, as, a, as a JavaScript uh, engineer. So I was mm. like, this is a good, 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 good challenge, good experience. Um, and I kind of took the job because I was in the country. I needed to kind of pay bills and, you know, uh, sort all those finances. Um, yeah. And the reason I accepted is like, I always enjoyed building stuff building right. products but i didn't know that you know i could go to an extent where i build a whole uh platform and whole end-to-end product and I look start at looking at it at a wider scale than just ex- a small ex- feature ex- or exactly like even yeah. at that stage like early in my career uh, i was i was really interested in you know, bringing delight to what users were engaged with what kind of products they use like my benchmark at that time was paypal because because i've right. seen paypal grow as a platform and how yeah. their user experience uh, changed and being a front-end heavy person I really enjoyed uh, that process that they went through and the second one that I kind of benchmarked myself was just eat and like as, right. as a user I've, I've seen how they've grown over the years and how their platform has grown the UI changes they've done why they've done you know at that at back back in the days I didn't really know why they did certain changes but you know as, as you grow using them you understand how certain changes are made and how it kind of came about and you know like all those things were playing in my head and i'm like i really love what i'm doing here and when i was at Ethian, i had that yeah. opportunity to kind of uh, make this my own you know like push a case to like I, I think i'm enjoying this and i've done it as part of my job and i think i could switch into this uh, particular role and like from being a front-end engineer um, you know doing uh, full stack uh, I had the opportunity to kind of move into a more product design engineering role where mm-hmm. you're not f- building features end to end, but you're working on like prototyping new features, trying to validate with customers and you know, making sure that they are delighted with what you're building and it solves some of their pain points. Um, and then, you know, moving on to the product owner role. And that's, that's where right. more, most of the product side of things came in. And I had the opportunity to kind of build a case to, you know, own that role. And that's mm-hmm. when I found like, yeah, I think I'm enjoying this. I want to go. Uh, further and you know explore this area and i think that that brings up a really really great point that um, i've always wondered uh, personally so and also for uh, a lot of colleagues and friends that i've i've worked with it can be quite difficult to define yourself based on the roles that you see out there and like try to channel your thinking only into one role like if you had to challenge channel saying this is what I want to do. And it's, it is called a product manager. And if, if it doesn't fit within that scope, then I have to go find what this thing is called. Um, it, it almost like, um, uh, you know, limits you into what, what you can imagine. But like you said, a, a design engineer role, like a, a product design engineer or, you know, whatever you might want to call it. But being, uh, you know, uh, it clearly shows that you had decided to move from engineering into one of one or two features into the bigger bigger picture and looking at the wider product and everything else. And you, you said like bringing delight to users is quite an important thing to, or realization to come to when you switch switch to the big picture. And, you know, especially when you're doing it organically, right? And not being pushed into it, but you're doing it because you want to. And just just to, just to add some context onto that, you know, you know, bringing delight to customers was not something that just came all of a sudden, you know, while, while I was doing my uh, um, you know, usual nine to five job. 
I used to do a few uh, freelance uh, jobs on the side, you know, like building websites and you know uh, talking about tech to to in the local communities and uh, so forth. And and that that's where I kind of saw that you know how people were delighted with uh, what we could do with technology, and you know right. that kind of influenced me into like start thinking of more of like okay, how does the commercial impact work on this? Like I'm not doing this for money. But you know, how do I improve myself with you know with these kind of conversations? And when you put that perspective into how your 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 career growth is, you know that that brings an aspect of okay, you're talking to commercial people. Oh, I think I'm good at this. You know, maybe I could try this at work. Yeah. You know, like tell them like I've done this. Now I'm, I'm uh, I am interested in talking to more more commercial side of uh, the business. And you know that's how I managed to pick that into what what I want to do. And I tried it out and I learned and failed. And the first like the whole product role itself has, has changed me as a person. I, I wasn't really, really the type that would go out and talk and, you know, uh, have conversations with random people. But now it's like, right. you know, that I, I'm more than happy to talk to different people, understand their perspectives um, and, and pain points. It can be quite, um, um, you know, quite an experience talking to real users, like you said, talking to real users or real people out there who use use technology. It can be rewarding in one in one way where you you look at them and you'll be like, ah, oh, okay, I work on this thing and look at these people, right? Like using it and they have a very unique experience because they're not into tech like we are. Um, but then it can also be the reverse where they really put you in the real world, be like, this is what you should be focusing on, right? And uh, sometimes we we get lost in that. And uh, you know, people like yourself who are product managers, we we look onto you like every company when have people like you. We look onto you to be like the north star, right? To to tell us what is the real what is the real picture like? What are our users thinking? Are we going the right way or not? Uh, so that the entire company is marching towards one goal or or a few goals, right? And and you you mentioned something really key there because because uh, that's that's something we uh, you know switching from engineering to product management that you know, that that you go through a phase where you have to unlearn what you've learned um, right. in order to be able to kind of uh, you know start having that product thinking. Uh, maybe maybe it was just me, but I'm sure there might be a few others, you know, who converted from engineering to product who could relate to this. Where you know, as as an engineer, you you always want to build the best thing, and you you know that you know this is the best code or this is the best feature you want to put out. But when you when you transition into product, you have you you tend to take that thinking away from you know you like even if it's not the best thing, let's try to yeah. test it. Let, let's see if that brings in value before committing. So, so that that right. shift or that or that mental shift took took a good time for me to kind of understand. And you know, that's that's yeah, that's probably helped me a lot try to unlearn and, and learn. Yeah, and I mean, I uh, personally, I I find that with engineering management as well, I might I might look at something and go, you know, I I think I would build it quite differently, but that is not the job I do. It is about working with a team and working with them to build something. So exactly. it's a very different mindset from this is how I would do it. And you have to go right. But as a team and as a, as a, and as a team that has a mission or a goal or an OKR or whatever you want to call it, this is how we want to approach it because this is what our users need. And it's, it's a very, exactly. it can be competing, but it's a very different uh, kind of mindset. Yeah. I'm starting to forget yeah. the old one now. I, I don't remember what the <laughs> old one felt like. It's, it's more like, what does the team need? <laughs> Just do that. Exactly. I mean, I'm I mean, sure you've moved into me. that as well. Yeah. yeah. No, as, as, as a product manager, it's like you you are working with multiple teams. You know, you work with multiple cross-functional teams. 
and you know you work with the ux team you work with the engineering team front end back end and as a team collectively how do we build what's best for the customer and how do you build yeah. it incrementally and at the same time bring value for for the business so trying to have all those together you know you start learning uh, the way like okay let's let's start building it in smaller chunks let's try to get value ship value out faster and get yeah. feedback so so yeah so that 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 is a learning curve on its own when you kind of shape from an engineer to um, to product <laughs> absolutely I, i i feel your pain kind of <laughs> i i also wanted to ask uh, something that you just mentioned shabir mm-hmm. um, it can be quite uh, quite a holy grail as they, as they say that you know how do you find out what do what do your users need it's a very easy question to pose that this is what our users need um how do you collect that data it must be is it quite challenging to figure that out uh, and i'm sure it varies dif- depending on products if you work on the in the enterprise space so that's where you've had a lot of your experience yeah then you are dealing with a, a, a customer who's actually probably not the real end customer there's there's another person at the other end that you don't have a direct relationship with how do you even figure out like what do the users need here it's it must be quite challenging yeah so so it, it comes back to what the what the business uh, vision is you know what 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 are they trying to uh, build and what problems are they trying to you know you know solve and right. and as a product manager you have a particular line of business that you are uh, taking care of so so you're always keeping in touch with you know what kind of um, you know you have touch points on what kind of things are people saying on the for the, for the, based on your uh, line of work so mm-hmm. how much uh, support tickets are we getting with, with this particular area that i manage you know what does the nps net promoter score um, look like you know uh, right. if we talk to the customer success team because uh, as a b2b they have more closer connections with their customers trying to keep them happy you start gathering all these feedback and you start seeing patterns of okay this area of the product that i manage is starting to have a little noise okay and it starts you know having those red flags then you like okay i think we need to start investigating over here and seeing what the problem is you know you start looking right. at data and see like where has uh, adoption dropped off are the users ch- uh, coming into the platform are they not coming like what's what's the churn been like for the last couple of weeks or couple of months you know whatever yeah. way you measure and those would be your indicators to see uh, okay this is an area that we think we need to kind of focus on um because we are losing uh, users and then you start uh, aligning um, you know gathering all those feedback and you know st- start synthesizing it saying okay right. um you, you just start maybe probably with a massive spreadsheet with all that data and start grouping them into okay there is a theme in terms of where the users are complaining so so you start kind of building a business case and you know doing some uh, you know getting the user research team involved like okay there seems to be a problem here and you hypothesize you know create a hypothesis around it saying okay right right this is what um, the problem might be and then you start uh, you know trying to get hold of uh, those users you know you go you talk to your customer success managers you know try to reach out to those uh, customers and try to ask uh, what is working for you what doesn't work for you know almost you're tra- almost anything... trying to prove your hypothesis right by then asking ex- ex- the users to see ex- 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 exactly if it's true yeah and you know you you do this root cause analysis you know you start asking the right. five whys now why is this a problem why is that a problem and then you know like yeah. sometimes it might not be a problem it might just be you know that people are struggling for for change now how right. do you overcome that and you know it helps us understand how they're using the product as well and 
come to that you know root cause and okay this is exactly their problem and then figure out like is this actually a problem or is this just a uh, a user you know um, behavior so so you're just gonna first start collecting down these as a spreadsheet you know document all the interviews and you know yeah. then you know okay if we're going to build a fix for this or are we going to improve this um, and how does fixing this bring in value for the business uh, how does it move the product North Star? How does it help right. move the the higher business uh, North Star? Hopefully, that kind of answers your question. You no, know, it does, and it it's quite. Um, I find it quite challenging, obviously, from the outside. That it is, um, there are two different, uh, you know, priorities you are working with, right? One is the user, obviously, and um, in our episode one, we were talking to Shian about it quite briefly as well. Uh, first episode, you know. First priority is obviously what do the users need and how do we give them that to solve a problem? And then the second is how do you then innovate on top of that? Like I see real world examples and I'm sure our users know many of them like Snapchat re redesigning their app and people are like up in arms, like, why have you done this? We, we would prefer the old app. Every time Facebook or Instagram re redesigns their app and people really hate it. Um, how do you then, you know, it, it to me it's quite challenging that how do you then innovate and do what your your users need because your users might just be like this is perfect don't change this but you you know you you want to improve on it and there is change, a better change. version in your mind yeah change is hard you know in in, in marketing there's this concept of uh, drip feeding now you don't give right. your users uh, the entire change at the same time or you don't give them all that all the information that they need at the same time how do you take them along uh, through that product journey that you're trying to build, you know, that vision that you have right. for the product, how do you take them on that journey? Because the, the the more you take them on that journey, the more buy-in that you have from those users. And then it makes your life easier because uh, they already bought in, they see the bigger picture and they see why we're going there. And as part of why we're doing it, what problems we're trying to, what pain points we're trying to solve them and the benefits yeah. that they have. So it's about trying to take them along that journey, making sure they understand the value proposition of what we're trying to build um, so it's like a win-win. They are happy with using the features and upcoming improvements and innovations. And at the same time, the business kind of, you know, moving forward in innovating um, in that space. Got it. And, and another thing I wanted to talk to you about was, so you obviously, as your role, you are you are looking at a big picture of the product and, you know, you're, you're working with, like you said, design teams and, uh, you know, data teams to, to figure out how users are using it or design teams to conceptualize new problems or older problems in a better way. How deep do you have to work with engineering um, and you know the rest of uh, the rest of the teams as well or and how deeply do you integrate with them? you know where do you get involved in all of these things uh, in the actual building of the products? Yeah, so so with so coming from an engineering background myself, uh, I really like to get involved with engineering. you know I, I have, uh, very transparent conversations with them in terms of yeah. what what we're trying to build, what the problem we're trying right. to solve. And yeah. I don't tell them how it's going to get built. They have to tell me how we could build it. And it's always a negotiation, a two-way conversation that goes like, okay, this is what we're trying to achieve. You tell me how we're going to get there. And then, you know, we'll start discussing, okay, what what value is the customer going to get if we build just a skeleton of it? How how we're gonna right. try get feedback? Uh, what what? So so I'm I'm really keen on you know being transparent at that that level and making sure that they have their their input because for me uh, the more questions any engineering team asks, uh, the more productive thing that they have. Are we building the right thing? Now it has to be right, right. 
coming from everybody, not just uh, we're building this particular feature because Shabir said so. And that's probably the wrong yeah. way of building a particular feature, right? Yeah. Um, so so, so I'm try I try to be as transparent as I can with engineering. And you know, even when we do user research, we encourage uh, a few engineers you know, just, just jump in on a call. You don't have to say anything. Just listen to what the customers are saying. So you get a feel for what problems they're trying to solve. Right. Um, you know, because because uh, you, you have this concept of uh, building high performance teams, um, and and these play a part of it. Like if my entire engineering team knows the exact problem, like why we're doing this, and they have that buy-in, it makes our jobs easier. Um, right. In terms of okay, they are aligned with what we want to build, and they are thinking in terms of how they bring in that tech to what we want to deliver would make life easier. So yeah, so like, I, I yeah. think that that kind of adds to the trend of. Um, you know, we we don't call ourselves engineering teams anymore or product teams, right? Like we, well, actually, we we're just all product teams, and we're cross-functional teams with engineers and data scientists and product managers and designers, everybody mm -hmm. in there. So we all have a common goal towards doing something. So it it isn't so that you know we have like competing priorities. It is the same priority, and it's the exactly. user at the center of everything and it's, everything. Exactly. Every other function just working towards one one big goal. Exactly, because yeah. you don't want to overpromise something to the customer and not be able to deliver it or deliver it at right. a very late stage, right? You want to make sure that these conversations are transparent, that this is what we were trying to build. How do we get there? You know, that's, that's the journey we want to take the customer in as well. Okay, you wanted that X feature, but we can't yeah. get to X until we build 0.x, yeah, right? And yeah, get absolutely. some feedback. And, and, and especially working with P2B and on the enterprise uh, space, you know, one customer's requirements are different from the other customer. You know, customers come in different verticals, right? Their use right. cases are different. So from yeah. a product perspective, you need to make sure that you build a feature that's applicable for all verticals and they all could use that particular feature and not just focus on one uh, set of use cases, right? Because right. if they pull, pull the plug on the business, you built a feature that was just uh, dependent on them and nobody else has adoption. Yeah, so how do you, how do you, it, so, yeah. exactly. So how do you avoid those uh, kind of traps? And I, I'm sure it, it's, it's hit our listeners' minds as well, but how do you, so because you get in at, at the entire process very early on, so you're, you're involved from, from the conception of, of an idea of, you know, a feature or, or a product completely, there must be, uh, there must be places where you fail, right? And when I say fail, as in you create a plan and obviously you don't reach the plan or we don't meet the plan for many, many different reasons. How do you deal with that? And how do you how do you make sure the team deals with that well as well? I, I think it's a good question. Not everything goes according to plan. And if everything does go according to plan for everybody, now we will yeah. be living in a different world. Right. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. what I try to keep telling to my teams is like, and anybody who works with me, like, uh, don't be afraid of failing, because um, the more you fail, the more you learn. And and I, I really like that kind of mindset, because uh, if you are failing, that's because you're trying to do something right, and it might not right. be right in the first instance, but you know you you find a different way of not doing it. Um, and and there is like so much uh, context around that in different books and articles, but it, it depends on what kind of person. Uh, and what mindset you bring in. So if you know things are going to fail, it's about making sure your stakeholders are kept informed from, from, from the time you have a flag right. um, and making sure that you know, everything's aligned. Because as part of a product release, uh, you, know, you have a lot of uh, stakeholders involved in that process. 
Um, and you know, you have product marketing, yeah. you have the commercial teams, you have the product support teams, professional services, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and and communication like plays a real big part in that. Um, as soon as you yeah. think that there might be a bit of a delay or something's not going to work as expected, then you need to make sure that you know, that's communicated from from day one and make sure that they are kept in the loop as you get feedback from engineering and you know you keep make, in communication uh, open right quite key like we always keep exactly. saying yeah and i'm um, sure it's so, quite challenging in a remote remote setting as well right it, because it, it, you can't it is, see each other is. now so and uh, yeah. you know you, yeah you, you end up sending you know having a lot of zoom calls and you know, trying to uh, keep different stakeholders happy and you know you, you just have to you know bring the reality you either do it right rather yeah. than you know having to you know have that doom and gloom um, so, so yeah, so we, we try to, as much as we can, you know, we try to, you know, see what the impact on whatever that delay is and yeah. how can we uh, work towards, you know, having a fix or how does that get communicated to people who are involved in their product marketing or product uh, release team and how do we then go on and communicate that to the customer. Got it. And how much, like you mentioned this before, but how much engineering, um, you know, uh, knowledge of being able to build the products, uh, you know, in the past yourself, or maybe you still do it in your free time. How much does that help you uh, with product management? Or is it a completely yeah. different set of skills? Uh, this, this, this question was, uh, it's, it's something that's always being debated on, even on LinkedIn. Yeah. I, had, I, had a, I, had, I had a chat recently around like how important is a, a technique, ha having technical knowledge for being yeah. a product manager. It, 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 it really doesn't matter. Um, I've, I've worked with product managers who are not from a technical background, but mm -hmm. are really good at what they do in terms of understanding what the customer problems are and getting value delivered. Having yeah. engineering is depends on the problem space you're in, right? right. And, and I guess it depends on who you ask as well. Like if you were to ask an engineer, they would prefer a technical product manager yeah. because it's easy to explain problems to them. Uh, but if you would ask a customer, obviously a customer would be unbiased and they would prefer any any one of you, right? Because then they're looking at how how well do you understand their problems. And and having having an engineering background is, is a plus because you know how to have the conversations. You know, you could relate to engineering team, but that's not the end of the world. You can always build uh, that communication with them, you know, yeah. understanding how they work. And as, as a PM, you, know, you are working for them as well. You know, they're not just working for you. You want to make sure that you get the best out of your teams and you need to understand how the team works first. Uh, right. So having a having an engineering background like helps you think around how the product could be built and stuff like that. So it does come with advantages, but it's not the end of the world. You can always learn those stuff. You don't need to know the exact uh, line of code that needs to get implemented as you know how yeah. to kind of log logically think. And I guess it's easy yeah. to learn as well, right? Like if, if you're somebody who's quite keen on learning engineering, it's quite mm -hmm. easy to, I say easy, but it there obviously there's stuff out there for you to learn. Uh, languages or frameworks to at least understand and have a hold a conversation with exactly and, and that's that's, yeah. that's good enough you know if you could learn enough to have a conversation so you know what they're talking about that's that's, that's a good start yeah right um, and the more you are involved in the, in the process you start to learn from the teams like it'll be yeah. a dark pattern if you're you know you're entirely siloed from your engineering team and you don't know what's going on you just pass in uh, you just send them a google doc and expect them to build then that's right and I, I'll, I'll be a bit worried. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think as an engineer, I take this quite uh, as, as quite an important, uh, you know, skill to one, they say, obviously, to be able to estimate your work. 
And then the second would be to be able to explain your work to, to everybody, uh, be it whoever the stakeholder is, uh, be it technical or non-technical. It's quite important to know how to explain yourself anyway. So you'd expect the teams to, uh, you know, deal, uh, you know, work with work with the PM and help them understand what they're doing as well, right? Exactly, and and you you as part of this, you build a relationship with the team, right? And then you and the whole objective is like you learn from them. You know, like yeah. when I first got into my PM role at uh, at Huddle, there was a lot of technical terms that they use, and I didn't really know most of it. Uh, but mm-hmm. as you as more as like as the conversations go on, you learn from them and understand okay why they're using certain stuff, and then you read up on it. So you have a high level understanding of okay, this is what they're doing, and this is what that technology does. That's, that was good enough for me at that, that point. Yeah, and I guess that's just be about being in a field, right? Like I don't know a lot about uh, enterprise uh, products. Like you know, you've worked on uh, a product like Huddle. I wouldn't yeah. know much of that, but somebody who has worked on it would understand the depths of how, you know, how document sharing and file sharing works in the enterprise mm-hmm. space. Uh, but you're right. It, it's, it's about just getting in there and then learning all of those, exactly. those terms. Exactly. Yeah. Because um, it should how not do you... be a, a barrier to getting into product management. Like you don't have to be like, some people think that, oh, I'm not good at my data. I can't get into product management. I don't think right. so. Like, I don't, I don't have an engineering background. I don't think I could get into product management. I don't think that's, that's, it's just probably just a myth. It's just your your attitude towards how you are thinking on solving problem. How do you communicate? Yeah. And how do you improve yourself? Like if anybody is willing to learn, I'm sure they could do uh, and achieve anything they want. Yeah, well said. And I, I think it, it also then opens you up to changing domains, right? Like being able to, like you've worked in the document sharing space in enterprise, and now you work in a very different enterprise space and you worked at ATN before, which was very retail oriented. So um, it, it it probably makes it easy for you to switch because then you all you need to learn is, and I say all you need to learn, it's quite difficult, but you need to learn about the domain that you're switching into. But the, the basics of product management probably still remain the same overall. It, it, it is like, uh, and that's, that's the whole, uh, cha- you know, the excitement about a new challenge, right? Why, why do people mm. look for something new? Because they want a new challenge. And the yeah. whole new challenge comes as part of learning a new domain, applying your existing skill set. How do you improve that space that you're working in? How do you learn yeah. from that? It goes it goes both ways. You know, not, not just you uh, applying what you've learned, but how do you also learn from from that domain? And you know, how do you expand your your knowledge? You know, I look at myself as a, as a knowledge consumer. You know, I want to learn stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I maybe I, I probably consume too much than I apply, but but I'm happy with it. Now I, yeah. I go and read stuff. I go and look at stuff. I'm like, yeah, one day this will come in handy. At least I know I've read it. Um, yeah, so and at least you have you hold that perspective, like you said, right? Like so, different products that you work on, you hold that perspective of you know having worked in retail before. So you know, unknowingly or knowingly, it somehow helped you in your experience at Huddle. It it probably helps you at your experience at Beamery now. Uh, but you know, you you're just you're probably unconsciously using that experience anyway. Exactly, you're learning every day, and every yeah. day is a new 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 challenge just about how you apply. Yeah, and that's a great segue into my next question, Shabir. How do you how do you spend time learning? What do you do in your free time? And you know, uh, maybe yeah, what do you do in your free time? And then maybe I'd love to ask you about how do you you know spend time learning about product management. Um, what do I do in my free time? Um, <laughs> it's 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 really really interesting way like i'm trying to be like how do i answer this correctly uh you know we were having a little one i think i spend more time with the little one 
And yeah, uh, that 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 is uh, uh, that is a good uh, good little. That's my free time. I have nothing else beyond that. Yeah, there is no free time. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like you you go through a day from you know half eight to about five six, and I'm all stressed out trying to solve uh, certain problems, and then you know you go to uh, uh, your little one. You know that's it. All the problems are just vanished. You know, you start telling yeah. what their problems are. Then yeah, they don't care about your work problems. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, yeah I, I do spend a lot of time with her. Um, you know, once she's gone to sleep, I probably you know. Just, just watch friends with the missus uh, and just keep us, you know, get the mind off certain things. Um, yeah. The way the way I learn stuff is like um, I, I I like reading about product um, mm-hmm. and, and tech in general. Uh, you know, the whole startup phase. Um, I have a few interests around around that, and you know, it's all always about like seeing what's new, what are the, what are the how are different problems being solved, what are the yeah um, you know what kind of unicorns out there, what what are they trying to do and, and their approach to it um, even though you're not directly engaging with it you know, there's, there's always something that you could be excited about um, yeah. I do like to read a few books here and there you know like once as, as I got into product management uh, there was this one book called Inspired uh, that, that's like a, a must read uh, for, for product managers from an author called Marty Kagan um, right. and that kind of sets you up nicely and then as you kind of involve in this space you, you want, as you, as you want to learn you start Look, coming up with different, you, you start discovering more books, you know, uh, yeah. the lean startup, um, that's a few others that are just, just not coming up there. Uh, but yeah, trying to, trying to, you know, just even if you don't read the entire book, you know, you get summaries of it, you know, you have podcasts and you have video, videos that kind of summarize it. So I just try to consume them as much as I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to be quite active back in the days, but, uh, you know, with all the pandemic, I'm just not really being active. So that's why I'm kind of None of us have uh, using, using like a sta- standing desk. So I don't sit all the time. That seems active enough for the that, moment. That, you know, you know in, yeah. in my book, that's, that's a tip for being active. Standing yeah. Desk. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, speaking for books, I mean, I, I'm pretty much the same as you, right? Like I, I, make it a point not to read a lot about engineering and engineering teams or books that are very related to tech on purpose. I will, I will purposely read books about management, but then about just general management or just any other book. Like I, uh, you know, Creativity Inc by Ed Catmull, or I'm at the moment I'm reading range. Um, and, uh, I, I try to apply that into what I do every day because it's quite, it, it, it really, you know, makes your creativity going when you're like, okay, I, I learned that from this book, but it had nothing to do with engineering, but how do I then apply it in my uh, my real job? And how do I, you know, solve a problem that I'm seeing in, in front of me, which is a lot easier. At least I find that a lot easier than finding, trying to find a book about agile, just so I can try yeah. to s- solve an agile problem in the team. Uh, I, I find that almost like looking up an answer on Google. That's yeah, really no, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the way I kind of got into all this, like uh, most of my the ways of working have improved based on, I, I randomly came across this book called uh, Mindfulness in uh, one of the one of the services in in the, right. in the motorway. It's a yeah. green little pocket book, uh, right. and and that reading that has kind of helped me, uh, you know, think of how I go about my day to day business, even yeah. from that like commuting to London for work and you know getting the train and all that that has added a lot of perspective. So like random yeah. stuff, right? And then you see how you could apply to um, your, your day-to-day and, you know, the way you work. So, yeah. so you you mentioned that's like, yeah, that's, that's probably something that I've done as well. 
it shows that like, you you can you can find inspiration anywhere in, including on motivate services trust me those, <laughs> those those random books that you know you just touch you open you know you just pass on page and like yeah. I'm like wow that, i think i need to buy this book yeah. doesn't happen always it's, but it's you know when it does. yeah yeah it's a book it's got knowledge in it uh, exactly. somebody wrote it i i've gotten quite into audible now i you know with the baby around it we just mm-hmm. have like 30 minutes or 40 minutes before he wakes up from his nap so yeah. i just listen to audible i i increase the speed to 1.5x or 2x depending on how active i'm feeling nice. and i just you know go through a book i find it a lot easier than actually reading like three pages uh, before he's awake nice. um, but yeah uh, thanks shabhi that was really nice that was really nice talking it was really nice talking to you and getting to know you and uh you know your way of thinking and how you transition into product management i'm sure our listeners would find that quite encouraging and also if you're you know if you're thinking about it and you're in the same boat as shabir then and i i know a lot of people who who are that way then you know you, you have inspiration to be able to do that and uh you know get in touch with shabir uh, before we end shabir obviously how how can i use us get in touch with you um, um you know yeah you could uh, find somewhere. me up on uh, linkedin uh, shabir shafa s h a b e r surname shafa s h e f a quite active mm-hmm. on linkedin so if anybody wants to reach out more than happy to you know, have perfect. a chat with them i'll link i'll link your linkedin profile in the show notes for users to uh, you know our listeners to get in touch with you and uh, talk to you there and uh, awesome. talk to talk to me about anything else apart from product management as well but <laughs> yes, maybe if we you can do start cricket management. yeah Yeah, cricket. Yeah, of course. If you want to talk about cricket, yes, please. Uh, it it Shabir. Uh, yes. Uh, thanks, Shabir. Uh, Thank you so much fun. for for having me as well. well. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was Shabir. I hope you enjoyed listening to us. The podcast is available on all major podcast networks, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and Google Podcasts. Do subscribe. That's it from me, and I will see you next week.